Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, you may have heard the saying, the way that we speak to children becomes their inner voice. Well, it's true. The way that we speak to children matters and the tone and the feeling they experience from our words imprints in their hearts and becomes the internal inner voice and dialogue that plays over continuously, both consciously and subconsciously in their minds. What we choose to say out loud will help shape a child's way of thinking. So why not use this to our advantage? It's for us to help ensure that the little voice in our children's heads is being kind to them and will help support them along their life's journey. So the question remains, how can we help make children's inner voice positive to help empower them to confidently live an optimistic life they deserve? That's what we're here to discuss today with our very special guest, Lily Ann Craigler. Now, Lily Ann as is, is, is an incredible um, human being. She is an education consultant and author. Um, and has taught on all levels from toddler to adults. And her expertise is in early childhood education from birth to nine years, leadership, optimizing human thinking, and all kinds of wonderful things. And thank you for joining us today, Lil. How are you? I'm really well, Rachel, and really very pleased and feel very special to be here talking with you about this incredibly important topic today. I totally agree with you. It's a very powerful topic to be discussing. So thank you uh, for your time today and just for going there with us. Um, The inner voice and inner dialogue that we have within us, as we know, can be either negative or positive. uh, And the quality of our thoughts effectively form our perception and the lens that we view life. Now, this in turn can be, I guess, the deciding factor if we see our lives as a sequence of, of positive or negative experiences. I'd love to know initially what your thoughts are on this. Uh, Rachel, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of the time as human beings, we underestimate the importance of our very earliest experiences and every other experience that gets packaged on top of that as we grow up. And as parents, I mean, the very first time you hold that baby, uh, you already are bringing an enormous amount of your value system, your sense of how important they are, everything they mean to you, and everything you hold important in life is already part of that very first engagement. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, do you believe in the quality of our life? It's not in the material items or the amount of money that we have, rather I guess it's the the quality of our thoughts and the perspective in which that we view the world around us. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I know that as adults, we have a lot of influence in how those children will um, engage with the world. 
we don't have control over their personality. I mean, we aren't genetic masters and we we can't decide what kind of personality they have, but Mm. how we engage with them and the way we communicate what is important to us uh, is, is, you know, that is within our power and we can be tremendously thoughtful about that. And so we can um, help them to understand their emotional self mm. um, and be able to engage with others in community. And we're equally able to help them to develop um, some really great thinking strategies in life and to understand how powerful they are in making the decisions for themselves um, in relation to the world. Yeah, I totally agree. It really is such a powerful realisation that parents have the capability to give children a wonderfully optimistic, positive life just by simply changing how they choose to speak to their children. What are your thoughts on that? Yes, you know, there's there's a, a concept called framing and um, you you can... How you feel about something can be framed for children. Uh, So even if, you know, they're in a situation that potentially they're a little bit frightened, and I recently wrote about um, parents who were flying into uh, the airport at Maroochydore, and it was really bumpy, you know, the, the airplane was jumping around, and they managed to create this into a manageable experience by saying, goodness gracious, this feels like a trampoline uh, and, you know, aren't we lucky that we've got such a great pilot today to get us down safely? And this is just a tiny example of how, you know, you can frame things for children. And there are many, many children at home at the moment in this um, wide pandemic staying in lockdown, you know, not being with their friends, not having the kind of education that's normal for them. And even in this situation, it's really crucial for parents to be um, framing that experience in a way that enables the children to see the positives in it. So, you know, saying things like, um, because we are at home, we, we have this opportunity to have this walk together or this cycle together and just have a look around us. We perhaps wouldn't have seen this today or been together if, if you know, you had been at school. And, of course, you're going to get back there. But um, framing that experience, having the opportunity to spend that time with the children while they're learning, having a glimpse into their, their own educational universe If we can frame that positively, it can be a really important thing for the children. So we are able to frame perspectives. I love that. So do you think the first step in doing that is to just acknowledge that we do have an inner voice and it's a natural part of who we are as human beings and it's our job as parents and carers to help condition children's minds to be positive? What are your thoughts? Yes, I I think... um, We want to encourage our children to have that inner voice and to think about things. And the way to do that is for us to express our own inner voice. You know, as a human being, I've often, for instance, you get up and you you have to make a meal for your family. And, you know, it's a little bit, it's it's going to take time. It's a bit taxing. So I often have self-thoughts and the thoughts are, how fortunate am I to have a kitchen? How fortunate am I 
to have running water? How fortunate am I to have been to the shop so that I can go and get groceries to create this meal? Now stop complaining about it. So that's an inner dialogue, you know, and it's your way of um, engaging with the world. And I think the children need to understand that they can have interior dialogue themselves. And so by talking out these things out loud um, is very, very important because not only do they learn um, what you call an attitude to life, but they also learn the logical connections between things. So, you know, if we're going shopping for that food and we're on our way in the car, you know, you and, and, and all of a sudden you, may, you change your mind and you say, oh, no, we're not going anymore. That's one thing and they'll accept it. But it, it, rather than that, you'll say, we were going to go now, but it is pouring with rain out there. So it's not going to be very pleasant. So why don't you go back to your game and we'll go out and do it a little bit later when the weather's better. What do you think? Do you think that's a great idea? Because in this, you're showing the children the reasons or the, the, the logical rationalization of why you've changed your mind. You're telling them that they have a mind to change, that they can assess situations. So you're giving them all of these logical interconnections about why you're doing things. Um, and it makes them start to um, create a neural network themselves for connecting things you know you're not just stopping the decision was made so now you stop thinking about it you're encouraging them and plus you're including them it's such a beautiful thing to say to your child what do you think you know how do you feel about that do you think it's a good idea or don't you because they become valued and they're seen as equal partners in um, this relationship that you're creating with them and this is true at every age Mm. Uh, yeah I couldn't agree with you anymore. Not only are the parents strengthening the neural pathways in their brain, uh, they are also just by acknowledging how a child is feeling is in indirectly helping them to develop things like empathy and feeling as well. So that's a whole nother conversation for another day, but these things are also very important. I just wanted to acknowledge on the flip side, what happens if a parent doesn't speak to their their children with encouragement, support and optimism? Do you think that this has the potential for a child to create a negative rhetoric and a negative inner voice, um, potentially that the child may feel that they're not good enough um, and that negative self-talk? Yes, sadly, our brains are incredibly adaptable. And so if we are hearing positive messages, we respond to positive messages. But equally, if we're hearing the negative messages, we are responding to. So whatever we're learning from a negative point of view will stack up on top of itself. So there's there's, um, a psychological study and it's called the Pygmalion effect. And what it means is that whatever your expectations are that you feel others have of you, you start to behave and believe and enact those expectations. So they've they've, um, studied this in the classroom, for instance, where they'd say to teachers and, they, you know, you've got this really bright child. um, And, of course, by the end of the year, anyone that was uh, earmarked as being more um, more open to learning or, you know, would perform better, did. 
And it's, it's almost like there are these subtle, very subtle communications and messages that we give the people around us, sometimes without even knowing it. But those children will pick up on those and they will have a sense of, of you know, being disconnected, undervalued, not worthy. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing in the world that you can feel that's more horrible than not being worthy. And we have to remember that these children are going to grow up to be adults. So fast forward to their life as an adult later on, there's a lot of work that needs to be redone and rewired in their brain for them to see themselves and the world around them from a positive perspective. It's almost like they have to reparent their inner child as an adult, which is that there's a lot of work involved in that. Um, so, you know, all of these um, conditioning that we sort of and these words the imprinting in the conscious and subconscious mind of our children is so important that our words can imprint, I guess, the traits that help form part of their personality. As you said earlier, we obviously a child's personality is just part of who they are, but the words can imprint some traits, I would, I would think. So if we want a positive life for our children, it really does start with the words that come out of our mouths. And I think it's um, for us to to be responsible adults, um, but on a positive flip side that we can equally turn this into a very positive uh, opportunity to be able to create, as you were beautifully telling us about that family on the flight and on your ascent yes. into Maruchidor, that that child, <laughs> on the flip side, if that child had, hadn't had um, some uh, um, positive influence in their life, they could have looked at that turbulence in that flight as a negative experience. However, alternatively, you know, the, the child actually saw it as um, as a positive experience and uh, that is a beautiful lens and a beautiful gift to give children to, to approach all challenging uh, situations in life with that same, same perspective. Um, now, I just wanted to acknowledge, of course, we published your article and the title is What You Say and How You Say It Can Elevate Your Child's Thinking. Now, for someone who hasn't read the article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and, of course, what inspired you to write it? It's what inspired me to write it is, is just I know how important language is. Um, you know, the quality of language often determines the quality of thought. Uh, so Donna Suskind is a writer who wrote this book called 30 Million Words, and she said some children get to school, by the age of five, they will have heard 30 million more words than other children. And it's not only the quantity of words, but the quality of the language that is very, very important for children to be successful, and that includes scholarly success, but also success in life. And so I wrote the article so that, you know, with the perspective that, you can influence your child's emotional growth through what you say and their emotional understanding. And it, Daniel Goleman, the great um, psychologist, in his uh, uh, expression of it as emotional intelligence, so you have that ability, um, but also you can have an influence on your child's thinking. And I think we've referred to it a little bit. So, you know, with the emotion, even from babies onwards, it's really crucial that they hear, that they feel the sense of attention and being attuned to language. Um, So even though they don't understand it, you know, language is a little bit like music. Language um, 
has the words, but it also has the, the tune. And so they are listening out for your expression, for the cadence of your language. They're looking out for your sense of touch. So part of the article was called the framing, which we spoke about going to Maritido. But the other part was to ensure that children genuinely understand their emotions, that they help them to name them. So, you know, the children in that bumpy um, play might have just felt terror or they might have felt excitement. It, it, you know, it depends on each person's um, kinesthetic sense, their, their body, how they feel. But they might have experienced excitement and terror as exactly the same. It's just kind of an overwhelming thing. So it helps children so much if we can help them to name their emotions. So what you, and you can do it by naming your own emotions as well. So you can say, I was really frustrated um, because, you know, I thought I was going to do this podcast and these silly tree people came in my road and they made so much noise I couldn't do it. So I was frustrated, but, you know, it gave me the opportunity to maybe think about it a bit more. So you, you naming the emotion, you having them accept that it happened, and then you can start to work with strategies around how they can cope with that emotion. So what part of the article I wrote was called Don't Argue with the Amygdala. So the amygdala is that part of our brain right down here in the back, little um, groups of cells, and it creates your fight or flight and, you know, when children don't understand their emotions, they instantly into fight or flight. But if they do, it means that they can approach their emotions more from their thinking brain. They, you know, and the more you've spoken about them in the past, about emotion, about strategies for dealing with their emotions, about things they can do, things they can say, plans they can make, the more their, their thinking brain or their rational brain can overtake what we call like an, a hijack from the amygdala where you, you rant and rave and, you know, have a temper tantrum. And, of course, they're going to do that. But just support them through it and afterwards spend that time helping them to understand what happened and why it's, it's you know, they, they justified in feeling that way. Mm. But it's not going to help them unless they have a strategy. So part of the article was that. The other part of the article was about, um, and we referred a little bit earlier to it, the logic. You know, children see us acting all the time, but a lot of the time what we're doing and the connections and the logic for what we're doing are completely invisible to them. So if we're talking out loud, what we do um, is we give them some sense of the connectivity and the logical reasons why things are happening around them in the world. And this, this happens in day-to-day -day life, but it's equally important later on when they, you know, when they're involved with a math problem or a science problem or, or they're dealing with, um, you know, something happening at school that they have to work out the logic and the understanding and come up with strategies. Mm. So, um, like, so what you know, one of the... What I'm hearing is, it, it, tell me if this is right. So the best way and the reason why we should communicate with children on this level um, to help support their thinking and learning is so they can then connect the dots and understand by naming their emotions and understanding why they feel them and, and what they do with those emotions. Is that right? Yes, that connecting the dots part and then understanding and knowing what their emotions are because then they're not just acting out. They're able to pause 
they're able to reflect mm. and then they're able to choose a behaviour, you know, what I called an amygdala hijack. You don't choose your behaviour, it just happens. But if you understand um, and you have strategies, it gives you this ability to pause, reflect, select your behaviour. Mm. So would that be the same as a child then experiencing a meltdown? So, I mean, if that's the case, what strategies should parents apply with a child after they are experiencing a meltdown? Well, that during the meltdown, other than just making sure the child is secure, it's really important not to ramp up the emotion, you know. So by getting involved in emotional yourself is not truly going to help, but you do have to make sure those children are safe. So in some instances, you know, you might just hug them and hold them while they're doing that. They <laughs> get a bit older. You can't really do that. But the thing is afterwards, once everything has settled, to make time to have the conversation, to unpack it, to share times when you are also out of control in your emotion um, so that they can get through it, um, and learn to strategize and think about it because they'll be much more successful as human beings if they can manage that mm. part of themselves. Do you think that children learn how to react to stressful situations purely just by mirroring their parents' emotions and how their parents react to high-stress scenarios? I think that is quite true. I think children, are um, they imitate a lot. They imitate your behavior and they imitate your point of view actually I saw a cartoon recently which really resonated and quite horrible one where there's a mum standing behind her child and the mum's saying something nasty and her tongue comes right out of her mouth right down through the back of the child's head and out of that child's mouth so you know if you just get a sense of what you see you do. Um, and, and some children are phenomenal, like they might realise that their mum will do this, but their dad doesn't. Or, you know, if we're in a family where there isn't a mum and dad, one primary carer might do this and another would, and they are able to mirror the more sensible behaviour. But there is definitely an influence and they do learn a tremendous amount in, in the very early stages of life about how to cope with life. Yeah. So then how and why do you think the early years are so critical for language development in children? You know, there's, there's research by uh, Professor Jack Shonkoff at Harvard and his colleagues at the Boston University to indicate that by the child, by five years of age, 90% of the brain is already formed. And this is the very early period of time where they're making millions of connections about the world and it's it's not impossible to learn um you know positive mindset and things later on you can but it's so much easier if the children have already developed this understanding early on and if they're starting to get a really broad wonderful vocabulary and logical connections early on then they can build on that so it's very important for learning about emotion, learning about thinking. It's equally important. It's actually also a great time to learn another language if you're a bilingual family because the brain is so open to learning at that time. You know, our brain is fabulous about learning language in the critical years, the early years, and then the brain closes down some of these languages if they're not necessary. But if, you know, if you're in a bilingual family, the, the one person might concentrate on, say, English and another on Spanish, and the children are very open to learning 
at that time. But it's a very important time for um, for connection, for um, attachment. So John Bowlby was the psychologist who first wrote about attachment theory, and he spoke about it, and I just love this description. He called it a lasting psychological connectedness between human beings. So there's nothing more important than that, you know, as we were saying, that they they feel um, very accepted. And so, and, and what we also need to know is in those early ages, their receptive language, what they understand is way beyond their expressive language. So often when we talk in front of children and think they don't understand what's going on, they certainly do. And they are learning. I mean, it's like their little hands are coming out of their brain and they're just picking everything that you're saying indiscriminately, good and bad. You know, they can't evaluate. So um, they understanding an enormous amount in those uh, very, very early years. But why do you think children need to both think and feel their emotions? Why is that so important, do you think? Yes, I think that the thinking, um, I've studied the work of a, a wonderful cognitive psychologist called Reuven Feuerstein. He's Israeli. He's now passed, but he was a um a Nobel Prize nominee, and he he wrote, this is where I learned a lot about intelligence and human cognition and thinking, but he said that that emotion and cognition, so your feeling and your thinking, are two sides of the same coin. Um, And if you want to have positive attitudes about learning, you need to develop that through your thinking. You know, you can't just automatically develop it through your feeling. You have to feel motivated to do something. And so that connection of thinking, it's much easier to be able to cope with motivation because what happens is you can imagine not getting something right now. Like if you're thinking about something and you don't really feel like doing it, you can delay your gratification you can self-regulate yourself. You can do what you have to do because you know that the reward will come later. And so that is why thinking, you know, as I've mentioned, gives you this opportunity for reflection and for planning and for putting things in place that just feeling about it doesn't. Mm. Uh, You know, that's Mm. why the thinking part is so important. So I'd love to know then, you know, what tips would you like to share with parents then and educators that would support the development of children's concept-based understanding of just the world around them? I think one of the most crucial things you can do is read to your children and talk to your children. Um, In those conversations, um, they learn so much. And and the, the talking out loud is really important. So, for instance, um, and, you know, while you're busy in the kitchen, this is a great time to do it. You might say something like, I'm going to add flour to this gravy because it thickens the sauce. But first I'm going to make a very smooth paste with flour and cold water because if I add all the the flour in there, all powdery, it won't mix well and that gravy is going to be lumpy. Well, you can say something like, tomorrow morning, Katie's got swimming and we have to leave this house very early. What if you organise all your things for school? Put them in the car now. That way you won't have to rush tomorrow. 
I'm also going to put my clothes out to save time and I'm packing the lunch boxes. And if you do your job, I'll add that lime jelly that you love in your lunch box. And that way we won't be late. What do you think? So this is the connecting so of the dots that you were saying earlier. Is yes, that right? So that there's cause right. and effect. If I do this, this is what's going to happen. If, if exactly. for example, you put your things in the car, we're less likely to be running late for school or whatever appointment that you have. Is, is that That's what you're right. saying? That's why. Exactly. So, the, you know, it includes good thinking skills like planning, recall, um, organisation, and understand what you've just spoken about, Rach, the understanding causation, you know, cause and effect consequences, projecting um, time, you know, so managing time, all of those things, you know, you, 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 I think we underestimate because we don't know how everything we say is full of all these relationships and concepts. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've seen it in the classroom where, where children, um, from the framing they've had at home, mm-hmm. will, won't get upset. You know, they will, they will help somebody else or they will just say, never mind, we can do this or we can do that. So yes. that it, it helps them to frame, to, to come to solutions. And you know what? In the end, what is going to be um, happening in that household is that they're not going to have that frantic, tantrum-filled morning where nobody can find anything the next day. The next day. So, so look, we've covered off a lot of information today, Lil. If you were to summarise your key messages for anyone watching and listening, what would they be? As a person who is important to young children and young people, no matter what their age, what you say and how you say it can have a lasting impact on them both in terms of their emotional sense of who they are and their ability to be great thinkers and enactors in the world around them. Wonderful, Lil. If anyone's got any questions and would like to reach out to your whereabouts, can they find you? I uh, I have a website. So it's, you know, got the typical HTTPS part in front, but it's www kriegler-education.com and that's the easiest way to get hold of me wonderful and we'll have all of those those links in the show notes lil thanks so much for your time today and for just discussing this very important topic with us Um, and once again we'll have all those links in the show notes take care and stay safe thanks again thank you so much you're more than welcome okay bye I'm Rachel Monteleone and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.